So she opens the double page spread in the Times saying, you've got no personality, says Stephanie Sword Williams. And I was like, oh my God. I knew what I was doing when I branded the business book Being Humble. So for every critic, I knew that there was going to be somebody that loved it. I am very comfortable with being a one woman show. I'm exhausted of always having to tell myself what to do. The second business that I've started is called This Might Help. So Fuck Being Humble was an overnight success. This hasn't been been going for nearly a year and it's the first piece of paid work I've had from it. This constant must do more, be bigger, get more money, rat race mindset is something that I'm trying to shake off. I actually think I'm not stressed as a person because I don't set KPIs. Welcome back to the podcast. You're listening to episode number 252 of Starting the Conversation. I'm your host, Alice Benham, joined this week by Stephanie Sword-Williams, founder and author of Fuck Being Humble. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to have you here. I feel like anytime I get people on, and this is where I probably regret what I'm about to say, but you know those people that you just always looked up to and like watch their business journey of, and then there's always this surreal moment where I'm like... <gasps> They're sat here and I can ask them whatever I want. So I'm very excited. Oh, I'm really happy to be here. And likewise, I've been admiring your journey from afar as well. Oh, gosh, just fangirling. <laughs> nice way to start an episode. I know, always nice. Um, for anyone who doesn't know who you are or what you do, could you give us just a bit of kind of context? You know, sat here today running, fuck being humble, speaker, author, workshop host, TEDx speaker, all of the things, also starting a second business, which we'll get into. Can you give us a kind of snapshot of like, what was the origin story to get to what you do today? Because I noticed with most of the guests that I speak with, they don't sit down one day and come up with this master plan and go, this is where we will be in five years time. So what did that look like for you? So I actually started Fuck Being Humble off the back of a bad performance review. So I was working in a small business and It wasn't a bad performance review. I was expecting something out of the performance review. I was expecting a pay rise, some sort of financial gain. And whilst they agreed I'd done great work, there was no financial sort of benefit that came off the back of that. I think why I felt so upset at that time was because there were only, I was their only employee. So I was so upset because I felt like there was literally no other person you had to look after. There was no one else that you were distracted Mm. by. You saw how hard I worked. I put in so many hours, like weekends, after work, lunch times, up early, like all of those things, because I loved it and I really Mm. liked being there. And I loved the autonomy and how much kind of creative control I had on things. And I remember being so upset and it's a common pattern. After performance reviews, it's like I've worked 150% and then I never quite got those results I was looking for. And I called my sister and I basically was just like, this has happened. She was like, you just got to pull back. like you. You can't give them Mm. every single minute of your day, every single minute of your life. It was actually that permission from my sister at that time that I decided to go, yeah, actually, I I am going to leave at six o'clock and I am going to take my hour lunch break like I used to do. And I'm going to make sure that I don't get sucked into this. And it wasn't necessarily like until they pay me my worth sort of thing. It was more just that I realized in every company I'd worked to to that point, this was a common pattern. Mm. And so I needed, it's that classic thing of you can't change other people, but you can change your own behaviors. And so when I finished on time and I was going home at six o'clock, I was like, oh, what do I do with my spare time now? Being a self-confessed hater of the gym, (laughs) I'm not a cook, not a chef, um, a really 
struggle to read. I like audio books. I like listening to books on the mm. move. So actually I was like, oh God, what do I do? And I don't have any hobbies, self-confessed. <laughs> I don't have any hobbies either. TikTok so wasn't around then. TikTok so wasn't around then. Like, there was a real lack of what should I do with my time. <laughs> and so I decided I wanted to do something, but it was around the same time that I was living in London and I was just so in awe of everything. Like every mm. event I went to was cool and it was filled with amazing people. And I yeah. was meeting these amazing like side hustlers or founders or photographers. And I was just constantly like, wow. And I just, I'd been to so many events. I was like, yeah, I, I, maybe I could host some events. Maybe I could do something like that. And I actually remember sitting in the Ace Hotel in Shoreditch, which is now 100 Shoreditch. Um, and I wrote, I started making this proposal. I didn't know what it was gonna be, but I started making some sort of a mm. slideshow presentation. And I was, I talk quite a lot on podcasts about this, that I was listening to my favorite R&B playlist. And it was even Gwen Stefani, Let Me Blow Your Mind. And it's, <laughs> Rihanna, bitch, but I have my money, and it was all of these. And I was like, God, wouldn't it be great if like we actually combined fun cultural references into something about the learning experience? So that there was something there, and I was yeah. like, well, this is fun. And then I, because I'd had all of these little setbacks at work, I'd moved companies regularly. I felt like I wanted to share my story, but nobody was going to listen to me mm. because I was 26, 25, 26 at the time. I wasn't a managing director. I wasn't some old white guy from you know a private boarding school running my own company and all of these things. I had zero connections, I was from the North. I had no connections in London. So it's that classic thing and it's always been in my head of like, I either wait to be invited or I create the thing that I want. So a combination of all of these things and then all of my mates at the same time being like, you quit your job recently. Like, how do I get a promotion or how do I get that pay rise? Or you're always saying what you want at work. How do I do that? So mm. it was kind of connecting all of these dots of needing and wanting to do something more with my time, being in constant awe of what I was like immersed in, in London. Mm. And then also knowing that there was a bit of a gap of people wanting career advice that like wasn't shit uh, yeah. basically. And, so there was this kind of coming together of something and I started making this proposal and it was based on me delivering some sort of a talk or workshop and then, yeah, some sort of a live Q&A and I always wanted it to be this, you know, self-promotion. It was very much about empowering people and it's mm. something that I've always done. I've always been like a confidence builder in other people. So it was just tying it all nicely together and really and truly it was just meant to be cool events in East London. That was the only ambition I ever had was like, I want to be that cool event that people go, have you been to a folk being humble night? Like that's so much fun. Like that's all I wanted. And that was the the main goal. So th that started in June, 2018 is when I posted my first Instagram post. Ooh. And it was crap, it was really bad. <laughs> all the visuals are really bad from back then. Feel free to go back and stalk. <laughs> it has to and be, it messy has. stuff. No, 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 it's so much better now. It's like miles beyond. I'm embarrassed to even think <laughs> of that. And then yeah, it was just gradual doing social media posting, very much word of mouth. And then the first thing I did was host an event in Shoreditch. Mm. Can you pinpoint the moment where you went, oh, this isn't just a, uh, not that there's anything wrong with it, but as you said, kind of cool events, almost side hustle hobby to, oh, this is a, a business and this could be my full-time job doing this. So it's a really interesting one with wanting to take this on to be something bigger than it was because it really, really wasn't ever meant to be that. So I just wanted something of my own. Uh, having spent years working in advertising, looking after client briefs and client budgets, and I was like, I just want something of my own. Because I went in with that, there was no expectation or you know, journey of like, in year one, I will do this. In year two, I will do this. It was just like... 
let's see how it goes. But I shared an article on LinkedIn saying why I'm launching a self-promotion platform called Fuck Being Humble, and it went kind of viral. Like, somebody from the White House in Washington contacted me and was like, this is amazing. Press were, like, messaging me. I was invited to speak on BBC World News the next day. All of these things. Somebody from the Times reached out, and I hadn't even run an event. All I had was an Instagram page mm. and a terribly designed Wix <laughs> website at the time. And the first bit of press that I got was this double page feature in the Times. And the journalist and I met up, which funny story, I actually glasses of wine whilst doing the interview, which I wouldn't recommend <laughs> um, because I'm unfiltered at the best of times. And what was printed in the interview was not okay. Like I was mortified no. when I saw it. I bet it, that journalist saw you drinking the wine and thought, great, we're gonna have a good piece here. <laughs> I'm gonna tell the story because this is quite a funny story. So she asked me, the journalist, Marissa Bates, she's a brilliant journalist. She asked me to review her social media and her self-promotion. And I said, sure, no problem. And again, being very unaware and ballsy and like very much me of like, oh, what, what possible problem could come from here? When I met her in person, I'd done a little presentation and I said, look, I've looked at your online channels. I'm meeting you in person today is great. But when I look at your, your online cha channels, you've got no personality online. So she opens the double page spread in the Times saying, you've got no personality, says Stephanie Sword Williams. And I, my heart, my stomach, <laughs> everything in my body like, dropped. And I was like, oh my God. Um, and I thought this interview had gone well, but obviously whilst I was necking multiple glasses of wine, who knows what I was saying. And the, you know, the journey, uh, what I learned in that actually was the first journey of understanding that press will always try and tell a story. Mm -hmm. So 90% of the article was Marissa kind of framing it as like, do we need this, do we not? And then in the very final section, she's like, but I really love what she's doing and I think she's gonna go on to do great work and she's supported me from the sidelines ever since. But this, this article came out and that springboarded press, so BBC World News, I was on the radio and I'd still not done what I said I was gonna do. And mm. I was kind of like, what if it's not good though? And because I was getting all of this press, it was obviously things were ticking in my head like, maybe this could be bigger you know but I didn't really see it in that way and then I had like three or four publishers approach me to write a book before I'd even ran an event what they yeah three they were like this is an amazing title you need to write a book on this and again wow. just like beyond my wildest dreams I was like thanks but no thanks yeah. and I literally hung up I was like no I'm cool thanks like that's not that's not what I'm here for and then when I hosted uh the event first event it went really well when this, was that in September so it was June to June, July, August, September. Then my next event was the end of October. So the first event was about 30, 30 people. Second event was about 50, 60 people. The third event was 180 people, all word of mouth. And that, it was, that was actually when I realized there's something bigger here because mm. it was the negotiating workshop, which everybody needs help. I also had an amazing panel of speakers as well, as well as me hosting a workshop, as well as free drinks and pizza. It was all for 10 quid. It was an amazing offer at the time. I love it. Um, You're like, this is four events in one? Yeah, it makes it was, sense. It Let's was. There was it. so much that they were getting. And I think I came away from that event and I was like, now I need to do something yeah. because, and still I feel this to this day, it's only me and there's only so much I can do. And so writing the book was an opportunity for me to create content that could access people, to access anyone in the world. Mm. And that was actually my biggest sort of moment of this is, 
this could be the, the change of something completely different. But at the same time, I was working full time at a different job now mm. and I loved it. And honestly, I was like at the peak of my career. Everything was going amazing. I was a, a, an account director. I'd, I was 27. I was like traveling the world, working on fun stuff. There were obviously niggles and things that weren't always right, but things were going very high at the same time. Mm. Unilever was one of the first clients that reached out to me whilst I was working full time and said, we'd love you to come in and give a talk. And I was like, what? Like, again, hadn't anticipated. This was meant to be B2C. Didn't even think that I would take this into businesses because the focus was on how do I help the individual yeah. get more money or promote. So then that was a bit of a catalyst. I was like, okay, so I'm writing this book. And mm. now one of the world's biggest brands has reached out to me and said, will you run a talk for us? And I think at the time I charged like... Um, 250 pounds or so it was a small fee at the time for for what public speakers often get and mm. I was buzzing it was like 250 pounds for 60 60 minutes yeah. I was like this is amazing <laughs> you're like I found the get rich quick scheme well this. This, but I'm a, I am a realist and I have always been a realist so I'm a big dreamer and mm. I will dream up ideas but I also was like yeah but I've got a salary from a job that I love and I can do this at the same time. So I'm basically just making a lot of money in a side hustle whilst working full time. This is yeah. great. Girl math. So Free that money. was kind of, again, I was like, I'll just release this book and I'll side hustle. And then during that time of writing the book and continuing through that journey, it was two years of running it as a side hustle. You know, I was getting more requests and, I, you know, it was kind of like I have to take time off work and I have to book half a day. And obviously my boss is not going to let me do that every time I get a speaking gig. And mm. so there was a lot of that kind of like, OK, and when I kind of made the decision that this is what I wanted to do, I did what everyone else did and, you know, lined up six months worth of work and made sure I was set up and ready to quit and had the fuck you fund ready. Sorry, swearing, but we're here. <laughs> and um, and then COVID hit and I lost it all overnight. Wow. So okay. yeah, it was a real like, this is going and this is going and this is going. Yeah. And then as soon as I said, okay, time to turn that switch on <laughs> and I'm going to go be a solo founder, it literally just dropped. Mm, and with you saying now that you're quite a realist, that must have been a really scary moment because you'd kind of almost, I know you said like everyone kind of, you know, does the transition between work and business that way. But I know a lot of people where it is a, a pretty risky leap between the two. It sounds like you kind of did all of the things you could do for it to be the kind of safest decision possible and then the world had another plan and yeah yeah wow, that's it was tough and I remember quitting my job and I was done with advertising like mm. I was like I actually this I gave it one last job and I was like if this works I'll stick it out and if not like you've got to go do your own thing because clearly you can't work for other people yeah and I remember when COVID hit and everything was locking down events were cancelled everything was my old company reached out to me and were like do you want to come back do you want to freelance for it like what is it and in my head I was like no like absolutely not like I I need to figure this out so yeah it was yeah not the fairy tale start to being a founder even though I'd obviously been side hustling this was the moment where I was like the big reveal and it like completely changed over. it almost sounds like what most people have at the start that's the like shit what's happening this is all not going very well almost you had that Reverse. but two years in like yeah. you had a very strong start which actually I really resonate with I did a similar experience where like the first couple of years were really good and then and I also think that's a harder way around to do it because you kind of get I don't want to say it's false but you do get that kind of sense of like oh I can trust this and this is good and this is going well and you kind of haven't experienced the real low yet 
and then it hits and it's like oh that low is lower than I thought because of how high things have been yeah and here. at the time it was just as they said like move in with your partners or don't see them for six months and I wasn't living with my boyfriend and we moved it was that, that kind of just that bit before they said you're not allowed to leave your houses and we actually moved to Rye uh, to stay with near his parents so not only had all of the business that I was planning to go do and mm. you know run my business in a certain way I was now living in a small little town that wasn't London with no friends around mm. with my boyfriend who's now my fiance so it didn't end badly <laughs> you know with nothing else around so it was a complete and utter like mm. shock and all systems and you know I didn't have colleagues I didn't have a boss I didn't have those things um Daisy and Poonam who are really good friends of mine they were the two people that we we all simultaneously quit at the same time and they absolutely got me through the pandemic and likewise I, I think I helped get them through it as well but it was it was a shock to the whole system on every level like mm. like it was for many people but it was definitely not how I anticipated things going interesting I mean there's so much from that kind of you know those first two years that I think so many people want to kind of ask you questions about I guess the first one I don't know if you must get this a lot what was it like telling people yeah, I'm starting a business and it has the word fuck in it so I guess the first thing I, I actually never told people I'm starting a business. Okay. I think that was a big thing. And I think it's important to say that because I think people are scared to start businesses. Mm. I was scared to start a business. I actually sat on Fuck Being Humble as an idea for 11 months. So I came up with it and I remember, and I know because I told my my partner who I'm with now on our first date that I'd come up with this idea and it took me 11 months to launch it so I wanted to say that very clearly because no, I know good. you've got a big founder community that it's okay to let an idea sit and simmer mm. and then in terms of telling people about it so I remember texting my friends I came up with two names it was fuck being humble or say my name destiny's child lyric of course Love it. Because I liked the idea of people saying your name, like mm. say my name. And I liked it, but I remember speaking to my agent now, uh, my book agent around the time when we were talking about books and she was like, yeah, you'll get in trouble with that you, for lyrics. You can't use other people's legislation, you know, right. along the way, it's not a good idea. You'd have the Beyonce lawyers and, you on know, your back. You know, <laughs> you know, don't want that, biggest, biggest fan. So I wouldn't want yeah, to get yeah, into yeah. a legal <laughs> battle with them. And so, yeah, it was, it was, okay well fuck being humble um, I remember my best friends at the time being like oh I think it's going to alienate people um, my partner who is like known being like minimal cool designer modest humble like right. complete opposite he's like it's going to be great supportive but in his head you know it, it, it took him a while to like get on board when I worked in advertising and throughout my whole journey of advertising I've mm. always loved disruptive brands I don't really care about like coca-cola or like the generic stuff like I love it when brands do something disruptive mm. and I guess that's because I, I it's fuck being humble is an extension of my personality as well like I'm quite bolshy I'm quite confident and loud I'm very direct and I'm, I'm kind of like a no bullshit person as well so when I was telling people, of course, there were times where I was like, mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> they're um, like, what's that? You're yeah. like, <laughs> and actually, it, I went in with the cute naivety of like, yeah, everyone's going to love it. And naturally, every room that I walked into, I got a completely different response. And generally, it was the older men. Like, if I'm honest, it was them yeah. that would be like, oh, how could you possibly say something so extreme as a woman? Or not even necessarily just as a woman, just if, if I, I felt that undertone and that like mm. look of disapproval. I had one guy say to me, he was actually music, he was like, well, I believe that the key to success is being humble. So I don't even think I can talk to you about this. And just like in the first 10 seconds, I was like, wow, you're so rude. Yeah. But also like, cool, you're not my like demographic. Like whatever. Yeah. And I think that's like always been my thing. It's like, they're not my demographic if they're not into it. It's really interesting because I knew what I was doing when I branded the business book, Being Humble. Mm. And... 
So many people did have a problem with it, but yet so many people remember it, say it, yeah. cheerlead it, um, use it in their everyday vocab. You know, I constantly have people messaging me being like, I was about to back out and I said to myself, fuck being humble. You don't have that equity and um, mm. like emotional impact in so many brand names. So for every critic, I knew that there was going to be somebody that loved it. Yeah, I guess it's bold. So those that love it, love it. And those that hate it take themselves out the door and you don't have to. It's Marmite. You don't have to do that. And I'm okay with that. And I used to say that. That's actually how I'd pitch it. I'd be like, yeah, I run a business called Fuck Being Humble. It's Marmite. You love it or you hate it. Mm. And I think like having that confidence being like, I'm okay if you don't like it. Obviously, you know, I'd cry at home if people didn't like it. (laughs) Understandable. I think, um, yeah, just being very clear on who it was I was trying to speak to and knowing that those people Mm. would really love it. And yeah, it's, 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 the only difficult thing which I always joke about is I get blocked for advertising so I can't Uh do paid advertising on Facebook Instagram TikTok all of those because of the swear word so that would be the only negative but that being said everything you see is organic and I'm extremely proud of that Mm. so and I think for that exact reason like people go on and that I have so many word of mouth clients and customers and fans super mm. fans because of the name so yeah. i'm i'm so glad i took the risk and did it but i if i'd have listened to the wrong people i might not have done interesting isn't it those decisions that at the time you just have no clue is this the best or like the worst decision i'm about to make and ultimately you just have to make one and then you figure it out either way yeah and i guess because i worked in advertising i always thought i could always rebrand it i, I mean i'm my go-to saying is it's not that deep like, i know we i can think rebrand it we can change it businesses rebrand all the time so if it didn't work it didn't work but i liked the authority it had completely agree i feel like the name is like one of unless it's a great name like yours people overthink it it's like one of the least important things about Oh my God, the yeah. actual business people just go in circles like I need to find the perfect name and I'm like how about we develop one of the other 99 things you need to do yeah totally <laughs> and I think you and I do quite similar work when we support you know new founders or new creators or freelancers and when I used to run the side hustle I mean I still do like uh, online courses to help people launch side hustles or businesses the number one thing that popped up in the like the one-to-one sessions was I can't land the name yeah and I was like it's not that important stop trying to land the stop name trying to <laughs> land the name so but I, I do get it you've got to feel confident in in sharing your idea and be proud yeah. of that but you're right there's so many other things that are probably more important mm. than the name yeah and speaking of those kind of you know other important things obviously business names great but then it's about getting clients and customers and and revenue you have and I genuinely I'm not just saying this to say it but I think some of the brands that you work with are what people would have like on their vision boards like you can list them in a sec if you want to but like you know just those kind of those brands that like you said Unilever where people just go oh my gosh like if my business can engage with them you know I've made it or you know getting a book deal doing speaking gigs traveling around the world I reckon probably just because I'm thinking what the question is in my head when I see those things happening the big question people probably have when they're seeing you do that is how like I don't know if you resonate with this I feel like there can be so much unknown unless you've done it in business it's so unclear how do those things come about like is it pitched for is it network led is it self-promotion based and I guess with so much of what you kind of preach and teach being around self-promotion what role has your own self-promotion played in kind of securing the kind of work that you do now all of it really I think it's Mm. it's interesting because I actually spoke to Stephen Bartlett's management team about managing me uh last summer I think it was and when I asked them what's the strategy how do you get all of these big clients for Stephen Bartlett how do you get him on the big stages yeah they say it's like 100% just digital content, posting stuff, sharing stuff. For the, 
they post five times a day on his LinkedIn, his mm. TikTok, like it's so much. Yeah, They don't have to pitch out. They have like endless things coming to them. And it was interesting because when they said that to me, I was like, but I'm already doing that. So this mm. might not actually be the right partnership when we talked through it because actually what I wanted was someone to go verbally pitch me in and negotiate yeah, yeah, yeah. and all of that. But what they were saying is kind of what I'd already been doing for the last few years, which is put content out and people will come. I think, as I said earlier, because there was no intention in attracting those clients in the first place, mm. my goal was always to support B2C, the everyday customer. Uh. I didn't have a B2B strategy. I, I absolutely didn't. Mm. But I think in helping to see that ev that customer that everyday person works somewhere mm. they work at a company so they're following our, our instagram for being on instagram and that is actually where a lot of business comes from because trust me i think about quitting instagram every day <laughs> and every time i'm not on it for two weeks i'm like oh i'm like this zen calm woman and yeah. then every time i'm back on it i'm like and then i'll land a job from it and you're like oh, okay mm -hmm. so i think honestly and truly it was helping people helping the everyday people who then wanted to go on and help other people by bringing me in, if mm. that makes sense. Yeah, so absolutely. it was it was very much that that has been the new business driver and the way that it's worked. I would also say like, I do this thing in my own head where I do new business Mondays. I'm actually thinking about launching a project or an email campaign or something around it where every Monday I do send out three or four prospective emails, if not more to someone I've recently connected with. Let's grab a coffee, let's do that. Mm. So I've always had that in the back of my mind. And I worked as a business director in my final job and I worked in a lot of new business I also turned accounts that I worked from from zero to half a million pounds across a year you know mm. I understand new business I understand client relationships and I was fortunate enough to learn that stuff early on as right. a young woman which a lot of us don't in fact so many freelancers and founders never have any experience or training in sales mm. new business development social media or how to attract opportunity so of course when you get to quitting your job and doing it it feels like the scariest thing ever and yeah you're questioning why everything isn't landing into place and it's because you've not had the training like that's all it is mm. so i think for me personally so much of the work came from helping people it just feels like there's a domino effect so one person will experience a fuck being humble event or yeah an event is generally where it's come from and then they will go tell their 10 friends. In the book Contagious, John Berger talks about firework effect. Mm. So you do one thing and it shoots up and it attracts lots of people or it, it reaches yeah. lots of people. Or there's the fishing net approach, which is mm. you you know renovate one house on a road of eight houses and that one house is gonna tell everyone about them. So mm. the, I always think about it like that. And I think in the early days it was the fishing net approach. So one person would come to my event and then they'd tell the eight people around them yeah. that they care the most and then they'd go on to tell them those things. But I think as, I, as the brand has built, it's gone into this firework where I put one thing out and then it kind of reaches and that can be done on LinkedIn or in a newsletter. But it's been it's been a mixture of things. I definitely do prospective emails and outreach, but 90% of my business is incoming. And so when people ask me, how do you get those clients? Honestly and truly, like I'm not gonna sit here and be like, I wrote <laughs> this email, I wrote 10 emails, I did this. They've come to me. And again, that I'm super proud of that. And mm. I think that comes from continuously showing up and supporting people on social media mm. is where that I've had the most reach. Cause I don't just hang out with people who work at Google <laughs> or, you know, like I'm very much, in fact, my network is mainly small businesses and founders and freelancers. Yeah. So I think people have seen it. The book has been a massive one and I'm sure you'll find this yourself. Mm. When you release a book, that's again, another form of new business that allows people to engage with you 
in a different way. It's also a good driver. So if I meet someone, when I was in New York recently for advertising week, if I met someone that I thought was cool or I met a woman at Google, I gave her my book. If I met a woman, mm. I met another woman at TikTok, I turned up with a signed book. So there's things like that that I will inherently do in my day-to-day life, small bits of self-promotion that yeah. do that. But I don't, I don't spend that much time pitching out. It's more about creating content that serves people and then them being so positively affected by it. Mm. They want to either help me back or they want to make themselves look good by bringing me in. Makes total sense. And then, I mean, it's obviously so clear that then the delivery of what you do is to such a high quality that then that retention and them sharing it with others is kind of a given past that point and I love that you mentioned there New York as an example because that was something that when I saw you you did I think it was a little like carousel post on Instagram and you shared in that some of the um, kind of self-promotion techniques that you did whilst you were there. And I think the couple that I saw was like, you know, putting posters around New York City, like promoting your book or what you do, like leaving your book in different places with notes in. And there was something about that, which I just found so inspiring, I guess partly as a like, you're, you know, X number of years in and still putting in the work to be that advocate for yourself and self-promote and I guess it would be I don't know if you do think of it this way but almost at this point probably be easy to kind of just let the business talk for you and when that's a phrase that always annoys me but like I I love that mindset and I do you know it was really interesting going to your New York and I would almost use this as a brief for anyone listening it was a big challenge for me because I was like right traditionally Americans are better at self-promotion than than the Brits are anyway Mm. so in the UK maybe I my content is mind-blowing and that's why everyone loves it But if I go out to America and try and live out my American dream, are they actually going to be that bothered? Are they just going to be like, yeah, cool, cool story, bro. Like, I'm not interested. Like, (laughs) we've been doing this self-promotion stuff for years. Like, whatever. We we don't like humility. This is it. Like, I'd got in my head so much. I was like, how how am I actually going to show that I'm valuable? Mm. They need me and all of those things. And it was really funny because the first group of people that I told the business name to, they were like, where can we get the swag? They were like, we want t-shirts, we want hats, we want <laughs> we want it all. And I was like, well, I've never had that in the UK. Well, I mean, I have over the years, but like, yeah. it was so immediate. And mm. that was the difference, I think, in America was like, I didn't have to convince them, which has been half the battle in the UK. So it was a really big eye-opener of like, it's not that they're already... And actually loads of people that, you know, struggle with confidence. That, that's not a universal thing of like, oh, one country is just always confident. I think we have to be mindful of that. Yeah. But doing the activation side was actually, it's funny that you say it's that I'm still doing it after five years. Because what it showed me is this is actually what I want to be doing. So I think over the last three or four years, I have been so doing the do, delivering the work, making sure everything's amazing, all of this. And actually now what I want to do is step back a bit and like, and do a different campaign every month and go around Mm. and flyer my brand and stick, you know, hide free copies of my book around different cities. Or like one of the examples was, I did a free advice, free career advice stand in Washington Square Park. And I want to talk about this on socials, but I, for the first 15 minutes, no one turned up. And the fear and the anxiety and the, oh, just every emotion. I was like, what am I doing? I was competing with the pigeon man next to me as well, who was just, you know, covered in a hundred pigeons. I was like, how does one compete with that? <laughs> it was these moments where I feel like I've grown because I sat in the discomfort or I carried big posters around with me and my arms were hurting. I was like, but you're you're working on this and you're doing something mm. and you're doing something different from your everyday. So for me, it's actually reminded me why I quit my job in the first place, which was yeah. to build a brand that I love. And like many founders and early freelancers, 
I've spent the last few years doing the brand. Now I want to spend it having fun with the brand. I think one of those things that I often talk about as well is like, you know, if you want to win awards, nominate yourself and all those things. Then I was thinking like, what am I winning an award for? Like if I want to win a DNAD impact award, what am I doing? What's the creative idea behind it? Mm. And actually like, that's what got me thinking about these things. Like if I wanted to be featured in press, other than doing my job, which is delivering workshops, which so many other people do. What's yeah. the press worthy side of things that I'm doing? And I wasn't doing, it's not that I wasn't doing anything, but I wasn't doing this stuff, which is actually where my creative brain mm. lends itself. It's actually where my best skills are. I think it was, it, it's not, it's less that I'm still doing it. It's actually that I'm rediscovering the side of the business that I want to do more of. Mm. Actually, I've proven myself now. I think that's what I feel comforted in is that the the work is coming in. I can actually step back a little bit and go, yeah, let's come up with a fun campaign for International Women's Day. Or I've already got an amazing campaign that I wanna do for Mental Health Awareness Week, which actually came off me writing a second a proposal for a second book, which I don't know will happen. But that actually was also an interesting thing of like, I've been so busy doing the do, that writing a book proposal, researching things that I'm interested in but haven't really had the chance to, to explore. All of these like recent things I've been doing have allowed me to go, actually, what do I want the next year to look like or the next two years? Mm. And I think for so many of us, Dory Clark talks about it, it's, it's heads down, but actually we need to have heads up and look at the big picture and go, mm. what do I want to spend my days doing? And me personally, I want to spend my days giving free advice in the park. You know, I, I want to be postering my book my like flyers of my book around town and yeah and yeah it feels quite like maybe I could have an assistant helping me do it but also it feels really empowering to be like no I'm doing it mm. and I'm really proud to be doing it I don't want to outsource this actually this is the part of my brand that I am proud to do and I was interesting as I was walking over here to do this podcast I was like I'm really happy that I get to just come and sit for two hours and record a podcast with right? someone I really like and I think Again, that's about me building the work and the, mm. the career that I want. And I'm so glad that I've done that. And actually being more creative with the brand is where I want to take my time and yeah. my schedule more. Yeah, that's such an interesting perspective. And I guess kind of shift for you of perhaps realizing like where you want your time to be able to be spent moving forwards. And I think it'd be interesting to kind of understand more about kind of the behind the scenes of the business. Cause obviously that's something that, you know, really that's what this podcast is about. It's like, right, these people, you love what they do externally, you know, let's dive a bit into those kind of internals. You mentioned there about outsourcing or getting an assistant or getting team. You are a, a, a one woman band. Has that always been the intention? Have there been been, and I guess I asked this as a leading question, knowing from firsthand experience, it's not easy. Have there been kind of challenges attached to it all kind of sitting under your capacity? I am very comfortable with being a one woman show, mainly, and it sounds really bad and it sounds really like self-indulgent, but like if I could clone myself <laughs> 10 times over, then I would have a team of 10 of me. And I don't mean that in a like narcissistic way, which I realize it does sound like that, but I think I've just been stung in the past where I have got people involved or, mm. you know, they've tried to help in certain ways and either the effort's not been met or the expectation's not been met. And like many founders who are not great at delegating, I kind of am like, well, I might as well just do it myself. 
So yeah, I've totally definitely, resonate. and that's a bootstrapping mentality. Like if I had like investment and I had like two million pounds to build a team of course, of like of course I would have other people helping me. Yeah. But that being said, I don't want to manage people. I do not want, mm. I don't want to do performance reviews. I don't want to check and see how you are. Like I'm going to be really transparent. I've done this in full-time work. Yeah. I know I was annoying to manage when I was working full-time. That is not where my skills lie. Like mm. coming up with big ideas, delivering workshops and training. That's what, I'm here for I'm not here to manage people I think I'm a great connector with people and I think I have a great connection with people but it's not how I want to spend my every day mm. and the HR politics uh, just all of that stress no not yeah, for yeah, me yeah. what I am doing is trying to partner with specialists so I have just mm. outsourced my website because let's be honest that's not it's not a specialist of mine and they've been doing a great job and I'm super happy with it I have recently started working with a speaker agent so I tried working with a talent agent in the past and it didn't work out also think it's okay to try management and if it doesn't work walk away and find what does yeah so this speaker agent they manage everything I literally recently went to do a job in Scotland up and down in the day I flew there there were taxis there were cars everything was ready like I didn't have to worry oh. about negotiating, like everything was sorted. And I was like, th that's a moment where I'm like, God, I've made it. Cause I feel like that admin mm. side that I would normally have to be stressing about my own car and all of these things. Yeah. That was taken away so I could just do Amazing. the good stuff. So that's felt like a good decision that's getting that it. agent. So I think that's what I'm trying to look at now is not, I don't need to build an army of people to deliver my workshops across the world. It's mm. like, it's kind of like, I want the specialist to come in at the right points to support me and bringing to life ideas. Yes. That's my priority with team. I do think there's that saying where it says, go fast alone or go far with others. And I actually did a post about this recently where I think that's a good statement and I do believe it. But I also think there's a benefit of not needing to build a team and actually taking it slower. So like, yeah, I probably could have got mm. to, I could, I probably could have been global two years ago if I built this massive team and I went for investment. But I also wouldn't have got to take the brand in the way that I want to take yeah. it. So I think there's a benefit of as well of like not having a big team or not having any team if that's not what you want to do. Mm. And being so sure in yourself that no, that's not how you want to spend your every day. And I think we, somebody said to me something like, oh, what made you not want to start a proper business? As in like wow. go for investment and build a team. I was like, well, I have started <laughs> a business and I do run a proper business. And yeah. I, I think there is a bit of a stigma or a bit of an expectation of like well unless you've got investment and you've got a team for you you're not an entrepreneur or you're not a business owner or I don't know there's some weird dialogue around that mm. but I think it has been the best move for me and I'm not stressed mm. I'm not stressed as a person I'm the least stressed I've ever been in my career because I make up the rules and I have nobody to answer to and that comes with its struggles we were talking about that before the podcast but I choose who to involve when, mm. and it's at a very high caliber. Yeah. And that's my priority. Yeah. I'm nodding so much as you're answering because I just couldn't agree more. You know what? And I think you said, oh, this sounds bad. I don't think it does. That feeling of like, I don't want to manage people. Like, this is going to sound harsh, and I've never been in an employed situation, so I probably don't really get what it's like. But to me, it feels like I have these children, and I have to check they're okay. And, like, I just, I don't even check that I'm okay. Like, I don't think that's, I think I'd be, like, awful if I hired people. And we're sat in the same room as M, one of my freelancers, and exactly like you, it's that idea of, like, hire experts yeah. to take the thing fully off your plate, and you don't have to do, like, 
if anyone HR is listening, don't shoot me, but I'm looking at Emma. I don't think we've done a performance review in the, the year plus that we've worked together and she's fine. Two and a half years. But there I also you go. think <laughs> it's about onboarding people, having that discussion with those people as well, right? So like, yeah. I think Simon Sinek said it on an interview. He's like, we need to have more clear discussions with people at an interview process. What do you look for in management? Mm. What do you need? What do you want? And here's what I want to give and, and deliver as, as a manager. And actually just be really transparent. And yeah. yeah, I think obviously when you're working with freelancers, it's a bit more of an exchange. It's like, here's brief, you deliver, thank you so much. Mm. And you don't necessarily need to have that kind of constant is what I'd say. Yes, yeah. I agree. I agree. <laughs> and you kind of mentioned in your answer there, kind of the, like you said, absolutely the, the pros that come with that kind of, have you read Company of One? No, I haven't. <gasps> okay, oh, you'll love it. It's everything that you've just said, like yeah. the kind of, you know, agility and, and way of working that really comes with, yeah, being a company of one and how just you were saying there, there's kind of these interesting opinions of it, but actually for so many business owners, it, it gives you the impact and the lifestyle. Something that kind of revolves around that though is obviously alongside all those pros, everything has a kind of opposite. And obviously it's then just you. And I think sometimes that can be an amazing thing. It's like, great, I'm in the zone. I, I always feel for me, like I love being by myself when I'm in a good space. And when I'm in a bad space, it's like, okay, we're just spiraling. There's no one else here to kind of motivate me or pick me up. And I actually, it just popped into my head. I think I saw an Instagram post from you, must might have been a couple of weeks ago, which surprised me because I think I'd seen you as someone who was like, oh my gosh, Steph's just like always so motivated and has like an amazing mindset. <laughs> and I think, you know, I don't doubt those things are true, but I think you put out a post about like the Instagram algorithm. And I think you referenced in it, like oh, I just had a little like mini breakdown or cry or whatever about Instagram. And I was like, oh, Steph feels that way sometimes about things as well. Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> like, like it is embarrassing. Like, <laughs> I was like crying to my fiance about Instagram <laughs> engagement. And I was just like, I know how pathetic this sounds, um, but when you're in it, it, it's so much of your life. What I would say on that note though, is it only takes for me to step out, go do my job, which is delivering talks and workshops mm. or helping people for me to realize it's not that deep. So I do, I do really get, yeah, so lost in the thick, in like the heart of it. One of my biggest struggles working alone, knowing I'm not the best to do it. So like mm. Instagram design, I'd pretty much do all of ours. And I know I'm not the best to do it. And I know someone could do it better. And I have very high standards. So I'm like critiquing myself, even though I'm not a designer and I've never had design training. Mm. And I'm like getting angry at myself that this is not what I actually, I do it every day out of necessity, but not because it's my passion or, you know, yeah. I would love to outsource it. I just haven't found the right person yet to do that. Mm. And I think that that's definitely something I struggle with. But yeah, oh my God, no, it, I there's loads of things that go on behind closed doors. I, I think and maybe that's something I, I need to talk more honestly about. But yeah, social media, posting, creating content, all of that. Mm. I love the storytelling aspect to it. I love being involved in the conversation. Would I love 10 other people to go action it for me that I really trust? Mm. Absolutely. It's just hard to find and trust people. I, I think that's a big Absolutely. part of it, especially when it's your baby and nobody's gonna treat it the, with the same dedication and care as you do. Like that is just one of, the, and you might find people, but from my experience so far, it's I've not quite found that person, but no, I yeah, yeah, I definitely have meltdowns regularly <laughs> about things, but I do think that it's it's just that thing, isn't it? Of like people don't. It's important to show that side 
But if I was constantly moaning about self-promoting, then it wouldn't be doing my mission or goal or empowering people to do it. So I always have to strike that balance of like, yeah, yeah God, I feel it sometime. But also, please stick it out because this is what I'm encouraging you to do. So I think mm. there's always that balance with that story yeah, as well. completely agree. And what about the kind of working by yourself, you know, the feeling where people have of like self-motivating or kind of exercising self-discipline? Again, I think we can all make the assumption of like everyone else just springs out of bed and is like so excited to do their jobs. And we all have days like that. And aren't they like the best days ever when it's like, this feels great. Um, or like you said, often when you do what you do, that's that's when you feel that is that something you at all struggle with in kind of other areas of the business self-briefing and self-initiating is what exhausts me the most I think mm. I think that is where I've felt the most overwhelmed throughout the year is when I've felt like it's just me again telling me what to do again like it's hard yeah to always produce the content it's hard to plan your schedule it's hard to know what things to share it's hard it is hard to constantly be in control of everything you have to do choosing the direction of the business choosing what stuff to mm. go where choosing who to speak to like when I get because a part of my business which we've not sort of talked too much about but the way that I work my sort of business structure is B2B clients are delivering internal talks, training, conferences, workshops. B2 brand is what I'd say. So brand partnerships where a brand mm. will come to me to either engage with my community or I'll help to promote a product or service of theirs. And then B2C. And actually when a brand partnership comes in and they're like, we have a brief and we want you to respond by doing X, Y, and Z. I'm like, thank God. Like, thank you for taking that off my mind. Like, yeah. it's nice. And I, I've, I've, that's one of the things that I've had many breakdowns over is this kind of like, I'm exhausted of always having to mm. tell myself what to do. And that is what comes with working alone. You know, you don't have people to say, oh, you should do that today, or you should do that. And I think because I help so many people as well, it's, I, I know you'll be the same, it's like when you're helping others, it's so much giving it's so much pouring out mm. that you kind of would just appreciate if someone was like, could you just work on that today? And you'd be like, yeah, sure. And yeah. a lot of the time when my friends are like, oh, I, I want to talk to you, but I, I, don't, I know you're really busy, so I don't want to take up too much of your time. I'm like, please take my time. <laughs> please tell me and take my time because actually it's, it saves me from having to make that. I have decision fatigue. That's mm. probably one of my, and it's something that I joke to with my partner is like, I help him tackle those bigger obstacles in life. And I need him to help me on what type of pasta we have tonight. <laughs> like what shape, do we go for spiral? Do we go for yeah. swirl? Like, oh like gosh, whatever, like it. the menial decisions, mm. I really need support from my friends and mm. loved ones. They would probably be able to be like, oh, just wear the red jumper or the blue jumper. But my brain feels so fatigued from making yeah. decisions within my business. I actually just need help on in my outer life and I would say like it's really funny because my work I am very dedicated I'm very on it committed all of that mm. outside of this and I was talking to someone about this the other day they couldn't believe it I'm so messy like my I am a messy person like I'm a nightmare to live with I'm very messy yeah I'm very forgetful like I could be quite scatty I trip up all the time I'm so clumsy I spill things I leave my phone leaving like on the edge um as a, like a representation of my life sometimes yeah. like I do it's you know I kind of need that separation I, I have that separation but the day-to-day -day decision making, even though sometimes it's not that big, 
the constant of mm. it definitely leaves me feeling exhausted to tackle things outside of life that could be quite simple and easy to other people. Yeah. That makes sense. I, it makes total sense. And I completely resonate. I sometimes think, is it scary how much I can be two different brains yes. and personalities? Yeah. I'm like, how in work? I like, even my mindset, like I put in the work, I understand consistency. I can fail and just see it as a positive. Like I'm so kind of organized yeah. and intentional and resilient. And then in my personal life, I don't know, I'll go on one 10 minute run and I'll be like, well, why why can't I run a marathon yet? Yeah. And I'm like, Alice, yeah. why can't you apply the same level of like mindset in a personal setting as you do in business? And I almost wonder, I think, and it sounds like what you're saying now with the decision fatigue, it's like you put so much in that there's just nothing left in, you know, those tanks of self-discipline or organization or resilience, whatever it might be. There's none of that left no. for the personal life. So similar to you, clothes is always my thing. Yeah. I don't really care what I wear, but for some reason, the more tired I am in work, I'll just turn to my boyfriend and be like, can you just, and he loves talking about clothes. It's like his favorite thing. But yeah, I completely resonate. And I mean, that must be for you now starting a second business, which you've not talked about yet. I mean, that must just kind of accentuate <laughs> yeah. those feelings of like- Send me into further crisis. Like that's decision fatigue times two. Yeah, so the second business slash community that I've started is called This Might Help. And the goal is to help people who are supporting others with mental health struggles and challenges. Mm. And it's based off my own lived experience of supporting people through anxiety, depression, sexual assault, various different things, and just not knowing what to say or do and wishing mm. that there was somewhere that I could turn to for advice or support. So this might help. It's got the same fundamentals of helping people, but it's a completely different business. Yeah. And what I've realized from this has been, it's a slow journey. So fuck being humble was an overnight success. This hasn't been, and that's okay. But again, mm. as a founder, learning to sit with that and still showing up and being consistent has been difficult. I would say the thing that's been the best thing for me to learn and accept with running a second business mm. has been whatever time I can put into this is better than nothing. Right now, it's not making any money. It's very much a information-led platform it's there to offer peer-to-peer -peer advice, support, guidance, reassurance. Got a similar format that it's Instagram, TikTok, and a website that hosts a whole load of resources that if you're struggling or you know someone that's struggling, you can go to the website and find out resources for mm. yourself or for them. But with that, it's a lot of research. So it's finding loads of content. It's doing loads of, yeah. you know, it's, it's I'm having to plan a month's worth of content to pre-post so that I have nothing to do with it. So it's mm. very much like that pre-planning. And what I realized was I was getting myself down because I wasn't posting every month. But actually on reflection, if I only post three times in a year, at least mm. I'm putting out some good work. And I know that there's a deeper purpose in this. And being patient with how it unfolds is what I have to work with. So mm. that's definitely been a journey and what I've tried to battle with, or what I have been battling with, sorry, is I kept on being like, well, fuck being humble makes me the money, so I have to prioritize that. Mm. And in the recent months, I'd say, what I need, I've kind of reflected on now is that fuck being humble is always gonna thrive because I've sowed the seeds, I've, it's yeah. grown, right? This might help needs me to put in that effort, mm. especially at this early stage, to build it, grow it, get people speaking about it. 
So it's kind of, yeah, I'm constantly flitting between how do I spend my time on it? Like today, I spent half a day prepping social posts for this might help. Mm. And I had this constant thing in my mind going, this isn't making you money. This isn't going to get you anything. You're taking yourself away from being humble. Like, and I had to just sit with that and go, no, but this is your chunk. This is your day you're spending on it. Like, just do it. So it's just, yeah, it's a difficult one. But I actually just got my first paid corporate (laughs) thing for this might help, which is to host a panel for a brand on mental health. And that's really nice. But that's been- Congratulations. So it's been a year. So I launched it in January and it's only now. And I think it's important to talk about that, that that is the first time I've had a paid Mm. opportunity in nine to 10 months, right? And so, and I spent a lot on a rebrand to get it all ready. And so I'm already out of pocket on the brand so far. Yeah. But it's that wider purpose, bigger opportunity. And and Mm. actually this is about purely and simply, this isn't about making money. This is about helping people Mm. with a problem that needs solving. Of course, my commercial mind is thinking, how am I gonna make money on this? And that's what I keep bouncing around. But I think it's also really important and and honest to say that, yeah, it's, Mm. it's been going for nearly a year and it's the first piece of paid work I've had from it. Yeah, I mean, so appreciate that honesty because I think, you know, I guess you've almost got two origin stories of businesses yet there that in their first year look very different. So different. And it's not- and accepting that yeah, is hard. It, and I guess probably harder because you have, you're, you don't just have a story of like, oh, that person I follow had a really good start to their business. That was your ex- experience with fuck being humble. So I can really appreciate it must be a lot of, you know, I feel like so much of business is like talking yourself through things, isn't it? As you feel yeah. it and you have to go, okay, acknowledge that feeling. And now how do I kind of talk myself into a place where I can kind of understand that and yeah I, th- I so appreciate that honesty because I think that's what so many people don't hear is is really the highs and the lows like I think we need both don't we like the highs and you know what an exciting kind of momentum filled start fuck being humbled had like that's so motivating and inspiring but also hearing sometimes what the reality can look like for an early business is is comforting and I know I can say the same like when I started my second business must be two years ago now had that exact realization probably for me it was about six months in and I was like oh, this is not going to be the the money maker that I thought it would be purely because I cannot give it the time that it needs yes. to get there yeah. quick enough. And it was a real like, I felt like I was talking to myself. I feel like that's business, isn't it? You like talk to yourself as if you're like multiple people. And I felt like I was like a parent talking to a child and just spelling it out. Like you do not have the time to make this what you're hoping it to be. Yeah. So you need to either have more time or change your expectations. Yeah. And you, it's a bit of a sad moment, isn't it? But it, it helps having that. And I think also why I guess it's important for both of us to talk about it is because Mm. I think people would think they've got a blueprint to what success looks like. You just have to replicate it. And I guess we both have tried that and it's not worked out in the same way for whatever reason. Mm. Like literally there could be so many reasons why. But also like, yeah, learning that we're still learning and we're still figuring out Mm. that just because we've got, we figured out our secret source to our first businesses doesn't mean that our second ones are fully fleshed out or we've figured out the right formula Mm. yet. It doesn't mean the idea is wrong or it doesn't mean that it's not going to be. But I think that is also when you've got a reputation externally for creating something already. Mm -hmm. It's probably not being said, but in your own head, you're questioning, oh, well, people will be like, how has she not made this work yet? Or, you know, that kind of like fear of the unknown and what people are saying is like, is very much present. But mm. I I guess at the core of all of my work, I think I just want to help 
people. I think the best advice that I've tried to give myself and listen to is that you don't have to repeat something multiple times for it to be mm. a success. I think so often we are our own worst critics in that way. And the best example I can give is when I was working last year or the year before was a really, really profitable month in March for International Women's Day. They will me in. I take it. I'm like, yeah, fine, whatever. I'm going to make this my best performing month. Yeah. I burn out every time because it's exhausting. <laughs> and I said to myself, well, if I've done that this year, I, I have to do that bigger and better again next year. And the next year it was like different. It was still profitable, but less money, not as many opportunities, but maybe they were a bit higher in financial mm. in, in each one. And learning to accept that was really interesting of like, mm. yes, you have done a really good job once. Just be proud of that. If this is the only time you do it, be really proud that you did it. Yeah. And that's been a massive mindset shift for me personally because this constant must do more, be bigger, get bigger, get more money, rat race mindset is something that I'm trying to shake off basically of like, no. Mm. So if Fuck Being Humble is my brand that I build that is epic, great. That's fine. I am proud of that. And if this might help mm. stay small forever, that's okay. If it helps only a thousand people, or if we've got like 1,200 followers right now, that's okay. That's a thousand people that I wasn't helping before. And I think, yeah, as a, as a founder, it is difficult to not set those mm. constant kind of like targets and measurements and KPIs and all of those. Mm. And I actually think I'm not stressed as a person because I don't set KPIs. I don't set targets. I don't say this month I try to reach this. I know what I need to make to pay my rent yeah. and to live my life happily. Everything else is a bonus. I think that's been in my head the whole time is everything else is a bonus past what you need. Mm. And I, I completely changed the way that I feel about that need to perform in that way. Wow. And that actually stemmed from when I was working full time. Sorry, it's a really long story. No, but it's great. When I was working full time in a startup, I had these hard metrics to hit. And when I didn't hit them, that's when I didn't get the financial bonus. Mm. And that crushing feeling of not reaching targets and me not feeling good enough was really upsetting. Yeah. And actually stripping away these targets and flipping it and saying, whatever you get above this is great, mm. has psychologically been such a better way to approach my business. I wonder how many people will have heard that, probably similar to me. It's like, you know, those moments where you, your shoulders just go down a bit and you're like, oh, like there gets to be another way. And I, I almost wonder how much actually that shift in mindset, you potentially end up achieving more because yeah. it's from a place of ease and it sounds like a lot more kind of rest and not, like you said, just like it always has to be, like I heard it from Lucy Sheridan. I don't know if you know of her, yeah. but like you love her work of like, um, she said it on a panel of mine earlier this year. She said, better doesn't have to mean bigger. And just this idea of like, yeah. let's set our own definition of what better means. And if for you, better is bigger than, you know, great. But actually you get to decide. I think that's a perfect note to end on what you shared there. I think so many people will have taken so much more the different bits that you've shared. I could ask you so many more questions about the behind the scenes of your business, but we'll see you in a year's time and then you can yeah, share how the second business is doing a year on as well and, and what's happened since and how things are feeling. So yeah, just thank you so much. Is there anything else you'd want to 
leave people with? I mean, I feel like you've shared so much already. I know, I've probably talked way <laughs> too much. No, thank you so much for having me. I would just say if you've enjoyed today's session, definitely, or session, <laughs> this today's podcast, I'm so used to saying Workshops. That. Grab a copy of the book. It's available in print and audio. Fuck being humble. Um, make sure you're following at F being humble on socials. And if the mental health side of things is something you're interested then follow This Might Help Us, where there's lots of free resources and advice for anybody that's supporting a loved one through mental health struggles. It's amazing. I love that mission. And we'll leave all the links in the show notes. So just so appreciate your your time, but also your honesty. I know so many people will have just felt a huge sense of kind of comfort and, and relief and curiosity. And I think just what you've built and the backstory behind it. Like I didn't know so many of those things. I think it's fascinating. So thank you for sharing and thanks for doing what you do. Thank you so much. Smashed it.